Hi, friends. Join us as we dive into the themes, metaphors, and foreshadowing of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. With both a spoiler and spoiler-free analysis, there's something here for everyone. We are your hosts, Leah, Sarah, Tabby, and whether you're a new viewer or a longtime fan, welcome to Becoming Buffy. Welcome back to Becoming Buffy. This is the spoiler section for Band Candy. This is our warning for those of you who have not been here before. For those of you who have, you know the drill. This is going to be spoilers for all things Buffy as well as the show Angel. So if you don't want to know spoilers and you haven't seen it, then you totally can come back next time or come back on your rewatch and listen to what we have to say. But if not, welcome. And there's not really a ton to talk about today. I feel like Band Candy is one of those like standalone episodes that you could just watch and appreciate for what it is. And it's still Mm -hmm. setting things up, but it's not necessarily giving you any new information, you know? Yeah. I think this episode just has a lot to do with characters. Mm -hmm. Like it just – it does a lot for Joyce – like Joyce's character, it does a lot for Giles's character, kind of sets up some funny stuff between them that happens later. Um, but also the mayor. The mayor is very interesting in this episode. Yeah. He just like it's interesting to see him not necessarily scared of Buffy, but just calculated around her. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we haven't really seen him like directly address her either. Like he saw her come in the sewers and then he was like, Okay, this isn't gonna work and backed off. But then he didn't really talk about her with tricks. So I'm I'm like excited to when we finally get to the episode where he's like, okay, the Slayer thing is a problem because I feel like he doesn't quite – I think he's underestimating Buffy at this point. Um, But I agree with you, Leah. I think this episode is mostly filling in the blanks for characters like Giles and Joyce and even Snyder. Not necessarily things that are super important to the overall plot of the show, but is really fun to have because it helps make these characters real. This is one of those – episodes I feel like that every show has in the middle of the show where the characters are really like in a good groove and we know them really well so that you're able to play on their characters. Yeah. So it's like you can make jokes or have certain situations because you either know how they will act because you know the characters really well or they can make fun of themselves and it's funny because you know the characters. Um They're also like kind of like sort of breaking the fourth wall because at this point everyone really wanted Joyce and Giles together. And so like, "Hmm, let's give it to you in this episode. Like these episodes are like one of my favorites because they like in every single show I can think of like a couple of them where it's like there's an episode where it hits where it's like everything's hit a groove and everyone knows the characters and story really well so they can really play on that. And it's just such a fun episode to watch as a viewer. Not to mention, we kind of get the payoff of watching for a while because Ethan Rain comes back. You kind of get more tie-ins into Ripper Giles. And then like you're also getting more fed with the storyline of Angel and Buffy. You're getting more screen time of Joyce. Like it really is just... It's a really well-made episode, but it's also just very satisfying for the fans. You know what I was thinking about? We haven't seen Harmony in like a season. I don't think we've seen Harmony at all in season three yet. I don't remember no. the last time that we've seen her. I think it was like the later half of season two. I'm being serious. Like I really think that that was the last time we saw her. Yeah, we definitely haven't seen her this season yet. I don't remember the last time we saw her. I'll have to look it up. Every time that happens in TV shows, sometimes I'm always like, oh, was that 
actor or actress struggling financially because <laughs> the show just was like would just casually like Jonathan like just casually brings them in for like an episode every like three months. You know what I mean? I I'm like sure they have hard. other jobs that there's other things they're doing at the time. I know Mercedes McNabb was pretty big because she was on Adam's Family um, and doing a few other things, but it's kind of crazy. Like Harmony is barely in the show at this point. Yeah. I think we will definitely see her in The Wish. Season four and I think five. This is, the Wish it might be the next time we see her. Um, but yeah, season four and five, she's actually in quite a bit, which is really, really funny. And then she like ends up having a prominent role over on Angel, which is hysterical. You know what's funny? I mean, not that you guys are going to be surprised by this, but when <laughs> Harmony became a vampire, I didn't remember her from the high school. Oh, of course. Oh my gosh. Are like, we surprised? She came back, in, she came back in it and, and they all were like, it's Harmony. And I was like, who the frick is Harmony? It wasn't until like, <laughs> yeah, you have a problem the show with that I was like, oh, that's Harmony. But like, I literally only knew her as Vampire Harmony. Well, you didn't remember when we were watching Angel either. We we're like, oh, hey, look, Harmony pops in, and Angel, and you were like, who is Harmony? And we were yeah, like, no, too many blondes on Angel, too many. <laughs> no, seriously. Yeah, I'm surprised Angel didn't have a thing with Harmony either. <laughs> Him and blonde. Oh, there's no way those two would have ever, I know, ever worked together. That would have been weird. So we're definitely going to talk about Jane Espenson as time goes on, but I thought it might be kind of fun to tell you guys the other episodes that she has written in the Buffyverse. So obviously, Band Candy is her first episode. She also wrote Gingerbread. She wrote Earshot, which I absolutely love. She wrote The Harsh Light of Day, Pangs. Doomed, which she also co-wrote with Marty Knox and David Fury, A New Man, Superstar, The Replacement, Triangle, Checkpoint, I Was Made to Love You, Intervention, Afterlife, Flooded, Life Serial, Double Meat Palace, Same Time, Same Place, Conversations with Dead People. She wrote um, the Dawn portion of that episode when Dawn is seeing Joyce, Um, Sleeper, First Date, Storyteller, and End of Days. Leah, do you recognize any of those episode names? Uh, I know the one that you're talking about where uh, Dawn brings Joyce back from the bed. Bed. The dead. Um, but <laughs> Back from the couch, though. technically. Yeah. That's a lot of filler episodes. She does comedic episodes really, really mm-hmm. well. Um, but, I mean, there's some things that, like, happen really well. Like, I Was Made to Love You. A lot happens in that one. Mm-hmm. Conversations with Dead People. I think she won an award for that one. That's a beautiful episode. Mm-hmm. Conversations with Dead People, yep. I always forget about. I think when we get to Seven, there's a lot of things that, like the feel of Buffy, I get really sad about in Seven. But I always go into it being like, I hate Susan Seven. And so when I watch certain episodes, I'm always like, oh, I'm like, oh, I like this. So, you know, you just have to downplay it. And so when you watch it, you end up enjoying it more. <laughs> I personally actually really love Season 7. I know that it is lacking. I know it's not as well written. I think that they don't do as good of a job with the individual characterizations. I think that they they kind of let down every single character at a certain point. I feel like Buffy's character is not as well defined in that one. Um, obviously, I have a ton of other issues with other things, which I will save for later. But I think that there are still some amazing moments. And I think that people so often just lump all of season seven together because it's weaker. Um, and it's actually one of, I feel like, the most ambitious seasons. I feel like the big bad is one of the best big bads. I feel like it's not um, – Big Bads is at least the idea of the Big Bad. I don't think it was as fully fleshed out as obviously other Big Bads. Um, But I absolutely love how it ends. I think it's got some of the best episodes of the series in it. 
Um, yeah, I'm actually really excited to talk about like season what seven. Episodes? Well, Conversations with Dead People is a phenomenal episode. Uh-huh. Um, Selfless I, is one of my favorites. Yes, I love Selfless. I love the episode. Um, what's the one where she saves Cassie? I can't remember the name of that. Oh, you know help! What? It's help? not helpless. Helpful. No, no, helpful. Help. I think it's just <laughs> – Is it just called help? I cannot remember. I think so. Yeah. It's the episode with Cassie because I feel like that felt like a real like true-to-form return with Buffy. I know that him has some problematic moments, but it does feel very early Buffy in a lot of ways. I'm not saying it's one of the best episodes, but I enjoy it. Um, I absolutely love Storyteller. I think it's one of the more underrated episodes of the series. How do you guys remember the titles? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, let me break it down. I literally feel like I need to bring a like thesaurus (laughs) reference book when I come to these podcasts because you're like, we'll buy one for you. That that one time in a unicorn's butt fairy uh, episode, yeah, that one. I remember uh, Xander and Willow did this, and then you're like, yeah, and then in the other episode, yeah, like the killing spree, yeah, I remember that. I'm like, what the frick? Like, just say the season and the episode. Like, I'll remember it if you start explaining it, but. I can't pull titles out of my booty hole like you guys do. I don't understand how you do it. I literally sit here. I'm like, yeah. All right. Just just ask. Say which one's that and I'll tell you. Okay. Storyteller is the one. You we- literally named like 50. I can't even tell you which one. <laughs> okay. You're like, yeah, in Storyteller and Deadman's Leah. Party and like a ghost of seniors past and like, you know, I, like, I'm, I don't know. So, it literally sounds like gibberish to me. Like at this point, you could be making them up, and I'd be like, "Yeah, I love that episode." Well, yeah, selfless is the one with um the, Anya. the backstory of Anya. I remember. Oh, and she, where she slaughters all of like the frat boys, mm-hmm. and then oh, and Bobby like, has to go yeah, kill her. Yeah. See, I remember the episode, but I don't remember the title. That's fine. Just the ask for clarification. The only ones that I remember the title on are like passion or like becoming or like but also you like episodes seen like that once, so that makes sense. It's, Literally, I remember the, I forget the titles of episodes in season one. But if I tell you Bewitched, Bothered, and Bewildered, you know which one that is, right? Oh, no. <laughs> no. I, if you explain the episode, I understand, but I just don't know titles very well. That's when everyone's in love with Xander in season two. Oh, yeah. See, I know that one. Yeah, that's not awful. <laughs> I could, I could assume that it was about something witchcrafty, but like, you know. And to be fair, I don't know every single Buffy episode. Honestly, the ones that I'm a little bit more shaky on is season six. Like when they start listing off the titles for season six episodes, I start to go, oh, I don't remember that as well. Just because there's like, um, I think a string of like six episodes that I absolutely abhor. And so I kind of don't really watch very much. Um, and I think that's a big part of it. But I know the most, the more polarizing episodes, titles of season six. Um, there's ones that I just like, don't like only just like the feel of it. I just feel like there's a lot of filler episodes of just Buffy being miserable. I just don't remember mm-hmm. those ones in season six. I'm like, you know what? Unless major stuff happens in the episode where I have to watch Buffy be miserable, then I'll watch it. But if it's she's just being miserable and it's like this random mm-hmm. filler episode, I don't feel like I need to watch that. Yeah. Anyway, we are getting so far off tangent. Um, but yes, Jane Espenson is a great writer. Um, I don't always agree with the direction she takes characters. Um but I I do really love her episodes. I feel like she has a really good balance of funny, but then she also really understands how to write for the voices of each character. And it's, it's just always very interesting whenever I see her name pop up on screen. I always forget that um, Ethan Rain comes back in A New Man. Yeah. Because I think that this is like his last episode. And so I was like kind of mourning his character. 
while we were doing like the um, non-spoiler section and I was like, oh yeah, I just honestly, I forget about a lot of the filler episodes in season four. When I think of season four, I think of like the good episodes and then Riley and then I'm like, ugh, and then I just kind of move on. But I forget like the random in-between ones and A New Man is one that I just, I think I've seen it like twice and I forget that Ethan Rain is in that one. Yeah, and I'm I'm kind of excited to talk about season four because season four and season six are the seasons I feel like I know the least about because I don't watch them very much. But season four yeah. is the weakest when it comes to the overarching plot and the villain, but it has some of the strongest run of episodes. Like it's got something blue, it's got hush, it's got um who are you and I forget the other one, um, the two with Faith, where they do the body swap. Who are you in? Oh, those episodes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's going to be fun to talk about. And then Restless, obviously. Mm-hmm. So it's got some very, very strong episodes. The characterization is really good. It just is lacking on the overarching and villain side of things. I get similar feels of season four and season seven, only because mm-hmm. it feels very- Disjointed? Buffy. Yes. It, it feels like- I'd rather watch season four than season seven only because Buffy's character doesn't have the light spark to it just because she's so exhausted and just like run out. Um, And so at least Buffy has a little bit of like her lightness to her in season four. But like, I don't know. They have similar feels. I think it's because season four is supposed to have the feel of like separation and like everything's brand new. My friends like like are kind of like you have to fight harder to stay as close like Mm -hmm. it's supposed to feel like that because it's the first year of college it's such a transition Um, season so mm -hmm. it's very jarring after the three seasons that were like they don't really have like a spot that they always go to other than giles's house giles is also Um, floundering especially coming right after season three which was so cohesive and Mm -hmm. so like tight then going into season four like that has to be hard yeah i think going from like angel to riley i'm not the biggest oh. Riley hater. And I really am not. Like, I think that he's fine. It's just more of season five. I can't stand of him. The eight, six episodes that he's in. I'm like, this is too much for me. Season yeah, actually, four. I would agree. Season four. I'm like, whatever. Like, you're kind of in the background until it's like the last like five episodes. And I'm like, okay, this is a little too much Riley. Um, But like season four, I'm like, whatever. It's just like the, the overarching villain does not do it for me. He's like really laughable and it's embarrassing. And like I get so mad because I think about it. And the last place that I stayed at, one of, our, um, one of my roommates would come in and I was binging season four with Leah. And I was kept telling her how good the show is. And she would come in when freaking Adam was in there. And so she has like with this weird idea of what Buffy is. I'm like, I swear it's so much better, but it was embarrassing. Like having Adam come in and he's like, I, you know, expel life or whatever he says. And you're like, We're this like, is, this show is so much better than this, we promise. It's embarrassing. I swear I don't watch this like crappy television. The show starts to go more science fiction and less vampire supernatural lore. And so mm-hmm. after season four, they were like, okay, go back to the supernatural. And I feel like uh, Buffy versus mm-hmm. Dracula is like an extreme overcorrection where they're like, haha, look, we're yeah. back with the vampires. And you're like, okay. I'm not interested in watching a military show. I've never in my life watched one. Don't have the intention to watch one. I'm sorry, David Boreanaz. SEAL team sounds great. <laughs> but like, it's just, I tune out. I can't do it. I can't do men being in military. Like, I'll just, I'm sh- like, I can't watch a show like that. Like, it's just so boring to me. Yeah. And I'm excited because season four, 
there's a lot of – I think it's going to be the season where we're like, would have been better if they'd done this. Would have been better if they'd done this. Yeah. Um, it just – it suffered, and we've talked about it before. It suffered because of, you know, Maggie Walsh, the actress who plays her, had to leave. Oz leaves. There's just – That was good, though. There's I'm a glad lot that Oz left because I think I would have hated season four if he ended up staying. Yeah, what they were the planning on doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. So – Yeah, but then his episode where he comes back is just so – infuriating and Anyways, sad and depressing and ugh. it just it doesn't do him justice no, I, I think that my biggest thing is that buffy has created just such amazing characters but some of them they just didn't give them the ending they deserve they did this with cordy mm-hmm. on buffy at least mm-hmm. they do this with um oz they do it with even anya like i feel like her ending could have been a little bit like mm-hmm. better they i lack like luster hers, hers I, I think her dying isn't my beef because mm-hmm. I think her the way she dies and all that is very honorable. I think it's the episodes leading up to it that could have been a little bit more respectful to Anya and could have done her a little bit of justice more. Mm-hmm. Um, and the response, that's my girl, moves on. Oh, I don't know. I think it's perfect. The re- I think the response no. makes a lot of sense and stuff. What? Yeah, it totally does. It makes sense to their like relationship. And everyone knew going into that mm-hmm. fight that it could have been – that it probably was going to yes. be their last fight. Yes. I'm pretty sure Xander mourned Anya later on. We just were not able to see it. And the thing is, is that like you even have Dawn telling Buffy, I don't want to say goodbye to you be- or I don't want to say you see you later or whatever because that might be goodbye or – like everybody just kind of knew that somebody was – like that they could die at any point. And so I think it adds to the gravitas of it. Um, and I think Xander's response is actually very perfect. Oh, this is getting big people so mad. But I think Giles should have died in the last episode. I don't think Giles should have died in the last episode. I think Giles should have died um, in early season seven. I think he should have died somewhere in season seven. And I think because I think it would have been honorable and him sacrificing himself for Buffy to kind of like end his like being like, I'm sorry that I've like, you know, not trusted you and died in an honorable way for Buffy and said I wouldn't be mad at him. But it's just like I just kept getting more mad at him in season seven. And I was like, where's old Giles? I feel like if he had sacrificed himself or just like helped in some way and died honorably, I feel like it would have been like a good send off for him. Season seven didn't know what to do with Giles. And I think it would have been super cool if you would have had him die. And then not that we want Giles to die. I'm not saying I want Giles mm-hmm. to die because I love him, but I yeah. think that it would have been really impactful to have him die and then have the first inhabit his body for the rest of the season. Mm. And then because it would have been messing with Buffy's yes. brain, and then Buffy would have yes. to overcome that, and it's and all find about her own power. Right. But I think it would have really fit. Like, and this is a little soap opera because I'm going to go in for a second. It really fit. Would have fit the theme of season seven because Buffy's supposed to find her own power in herself rather than having like people above her who are telling her what to do. She's like an actual woman. She's making these decisions on her own decisions that Giles doesn't agree with. Someone who has always been hip to hip with her throughout all of the seasons. And so I think it really would have like worked well with the season if like Buffy had to really like make the hard decisions that people disagree with because she felt in her heart that this was the right decision, even if it like people disagreed with it. Um, and I feel like Giles not being there for that or like, I don't know. I just feel like they could have utilized him in that sense in season seven. I agree. As much as I would not want Giles to die, I feel like it would have made more sense for his character to die rather than stand by and watch what happened in season seven. Yep. And actively be a part of it as well. Yeah. I See, here's the thing. We're like going so far off the beaten trail, but why why not? We're here. So (laughs) – 
specifically like conversations with dead people, Buffy and Giles actually like have the same goal in mind. And they're both at that point, Buffy's thinking big picture. I'm keeping Spike around, like take out the romance aspect. I'm keeping Spike around because he's a good fighter and I need everybody I can get at this point. Um, That's why she's willing to sacrifice Robin for Spike. Not saying I agree with this. That's just Buffy's whole mindset. That's a whole can of worms I don't even want to touch right now. Um, Giles is thinking big picture. Giles has always been big picture guy. That's why he tells her, you know, um, I, you know, sacrificing Ben is a big picture. He tells Buffy, you need to kill Dawn in season five. You know, like he's always been the guy that's like, always do the right thing, no matter the cost. And that's Buffy too. Um, but they both have different ways of going around it. The thing that really like makes me very upset is in conversations with dead people, I actually agree with Giles. I agree with Giles over Buffy and I get frustrated because I feel like that's crappy writing on the show's part where they're like, Giles is going, look what Spike has done to you. And I'm going to make a lot of people mad. This is just going to be our controversial episode, but Giles is like, look what Spike has done to you. He's he's got the trigger in him. We don't know what causes it. We don't know if like, he's just volatile and he could turn on you at any moment, all this stuff. And I don't agree with how he went about things behind Buffy's back, but I do agree with him just saying, look like, I don't know that we should keep Spike around. And yeah, along with the whole like, wait, you mean lies my parents told me? Mm Mm-hmm. You said conversations oh, with dead sorry. people. Oh, sorry. I'm I meant, so confused. My bad. I meant lies my parents tell me. Yes. Got Thank it. you. Yes. Yes. I meant yes, lies my parents tell me the Sarah. entire time. Lou <laughs> <laughs> doesn't know what we're talking you about. You didn't know the stupid title of the stupid episode. <laughs> <laughs> Tough crowd, man. Such a standard. Um, and I feel I feel weird talking about this when I can't like delve deeply into my reasoning for everything and I will go into it. But like the victim blaming of Robin with Spike, like I understand the overall message that they're trying to tell of like the mission is what matters. That's what they're trying to tell us. But they're forgetting empathy, compassion, trauma, all this stuff and like the human uh, the human feelings along the way. And so it's very frustrating to me that that's what causes Buffy and Giles to turn against each other because like it feels like a very stupid reason. I feel like they could have had them struggle with it in a different way instead of that. Um, and it's stupid that the show puts us in the position of being uncomfortable with Giles's position when you kind of can see his point. So I think I, yeah, I mean, I, we'll talk about it when we get there. I think Leah's like, I don't remember much about the episode. So, no, I remember the episode. The thing is, is that I agree with Giles and his idea, but it wasn't his call to make. It, yeah. And so the, I don't agree with how he went about it. However, I agree with his premise. And ultimately, like in that episode, I side more with Giles than with Buffy. And that's a really uncomfortable thing for me because I always side with Buffy and the show is leading, wants us to side with Buffy and is trying to paint Giles as the bad guy. And so it's very hard for me in that episode to say, oh yeah, like, gosh, Giles, what are you doing? When I'm like, I kind of see his point, you know? But also it just, I'm not mad at him for thinking differently than Buffy. I'm mad at the fact that like, of how they did a disservice to his character and not trusting or allowing Buffy to make her own mistakes and decisions. Because when is she ever, ever like, Skipped out on making the hard decision when she had to. Never. Yeah. She's always made the hard decision when she had to or found a way around it. And it felt like a season one, two issue where Giles doesn't trust Buffy. It's like, obviously he trusts Mm -hmm. her. There's been many episodes showing how he 
he actively takes a back seat and lets her make the the call, you know? It just felt like a huge regression of his character. Yeah. I agree. Anyways, so in band candy, um, <laughs> Go ahead, Leah. You have something to say? No, I actually really don't. I mean, this episode is generally enjoying enjoy eh, and what am i trying to say this episode is in general very enjoyable to watch man that one person who said i need to take a communications class is gonna love this <laughs> as um, if they're still listening yeah i know hey pal well, well, hey, just, to, just to hear me uh mess up all that being said um <laughs> i think this episode does a lot and i think that once you've seen the show, this episode, Sarah, why are you laughing? I, guys, I'm leaving the podcast. This is actually my last episode. I never take it seriously. I don't know the titles of the episodes. <laughs> Leah, we love you. We want to keep you on here. No, I'm just dying. I'm remembering that review that the guy. So, for everyone, no one understands what we're talking about. Brief side note someone left us a review on our podcast. If you would love to check it out, you totally can. It's still up. But basically, they were saying that um, Leah needs to take a communications class. Which is ironic because, guys, I'm a communications major. Yeah. <laughs> I know it doesn't seem like it. Uh, and they told um, Leah that- But I can communicate sometimes. Yeah, they said okay. they said that she sounds- I don't remember the exact verbiage, but it was like he goes, airhead. She educated. would benefit. Yeah, she would benefit from a uh, communication. No, they said or an English class. Or reading, oh, a they said reading a book. Or reading a book. Reading a book. I know. Anyway, uh, yes. Uh, Send your love to Leah. She needs your prayers and your good reviews. Uh, <laughs> and apparently, I need recommendations for a communication class because I don't know what I'm saying. But the funny thing was, the next episode, you know, you read of mice and men, and then we also talked about a most dangerous game and stuff. So, like, obviously, oh, yeah. you've read books. Anyway, go ahead. She's like, actually, those are the only two I've ever read. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, uh, I actually didn't read them. I read the back cover. I read the spark notes. <laughs> um, but Band Candy is one of those episodes where it actually is more fun to watch after you've seen the show because, like, it is just so funny seeing the mayor avoid Buffy. It's so funny seeing Giles and Joyce be in this kind of like thing. And one thing I did want to mention is when Joyce dies, I know, mood killer, doesn't Giles listen to the song that they listen to in this episode? Yeah. In the episode Forever, there's a brief moment after the funeral where you see Giles sitting in his home and he's listening to Tales of Ulysses, I think is the cream episode or the cream song. And it's the song they both listen to together, which I just – that speaks so many volumes right there. Mm -hmm. I just think it's – this is one of those episodes where it just is entertaining to watch, but it really does a lot for the characters. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I mean, the obligatory, we'll find out in earshot that they actually had sex twice on the police car. And then in the body, Buffy brings it up again to taunt Joyce when they're showing the Christmas episode with them together. And then every time I see Joyce and Giles together, I'm just reminded of the body when Giles finds her and comes to comfort Buffy. And I don't know, it just, it makes me really sad, but then I'm also just like, I don't know the, the way that they make you feel for these characters and the way that they show the way that they care for each other and the way they care for Buffy is just so impactful and so powerful. And I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. I just I think it's it's all very beautiful, even if it's very tragic. Um, I said no show makes me as sad when characters died than like 
this show and maybe like one or two other shows. Mm-hmm. It's because they pour so much time and effort into really like fleshing out, especially the female characters in the show. And we all know that the female characters are the ones who die. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Angel and Spike died, but then they got taken back <laughs> because they're too sexy to die. Um, but like, you know, RIP Tara and Jenny and, and uh, yeah. Jenny and I mean, everyone like that. I think there is a semblance of fridging women, but I think that the show is about female characters. So it makes sense that female characters would die. There's also a, a lot more female characters on the show. So I'm kind of okay with it. Um, and usually when a female dies, it's to further another female's arc. So I like it's not a full uh, classifying of fridging. But let's, like, let's not talk about Angel because I have some big issues with that and we've talked about it before. Um, so – Question for you guys. Do you guys feel like it was a missed opportunity that Joyce and Giles never got together in the show? Okay. I have mixed appeal- uh, appealings. What is wrong with me, you guys? Um, <laughs> to clarify, guys, it was a long day at work. Give me a little bit of pass. Um, I'm keeping all of this in. Go for it. Um, but, uh, oh my gosh. You have mixed opinions about Joyce and Jess. Yes, I have mixed opinions slash feelings <laughs> Tell us about them. about them. Because a part of me thinks that they literally are soulmates, <laughs> besides Jenny. Besides Jenny. Um, but then there's another part of me that's like, I think if they had tried, the dynamic would have been so weird. It, I think it would have been really – here's the thing. I think if it wasn't a show, they would have dated and it would have worked. But because it's a show, I think it would have been really hard to make them date and not make the dynamics with Buffy very weird. Mm-hmm. So I'm glad that they didn't, but there, there's always like been a part of me that kind of thought that they secretly had a little bit of love for each other. I'm okay with it actually not happening. Like it's one of those – sometimes I'll watch shows and I get really mad that they didn't have two people endgame or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I get so pissed. But this is one of those situations where I'm like, you know, it's a whatever. Like it's really okay that they didn't explore that. And here's why. I kind of feel like sometimes the show – I don't know. I feel like it would make it too soapy because then it would be like Giles and Joyce. Um I feel like it would have caused a lot of unnecessary drama between like like a um, parent pull between Buffy and I feel like there would have been some insecurities in the relationship and I feel like it would have detracted from some storylines. Obviously, I'm like projecting a little bit only because like this literally never happened. But like I feel like it might have caused a little bit more harm than good and I'm like kind of glad they didn't do it. I feel like I would have been okay if it was like season – maybe season five or something. Um what show? Oh, kind of like a whole like like uh, Fred and Wesley thing where it's like they finally get together and she dies. I feel like that'd be really cruel. Um, just because I feel like if they really try to have them as a relationship, when especially when Buffy's in high school, Joyce and Buffy's relationship is, even though it's like there's a ton of love there and they adore each other, it's like it's a bit strained from her leaving and or her being like a slayer or her not knowing she's a slayer in seasons one and two. And I feel like it would just cause too much, but maybe if they kind of like had them be a little thing in season five after Olivia and then she dies maybe, but that's the only time I'd be like, sure. You know what I mean? Like, I just feel like it wouldn't have worked any other time. 
Could you imagine if like we find out in season four that Giles and Joyce are secretly like have a love affair while Buffy's off at college because Giles is going through like a midlife crisis and <laughs> Joyce is empty nesting and then, you know. That'd be kind of funny. I'm not saying that I would have been for the full-blown romance between them, but I think it would have been hilarious if there was like a moment where Buffy's they like. They make it lighthearted. Yeah. They're like, we need, we have needs. Buffy's trying to like sneak out of the house to go um, slay and then she passes Giles who's trying to sneak into the house to avoid Buffy to like go see Joyce. <laughs> but yeah, I, I actually agree with both of you. I think sometimes our imagination is better than what it would have actually been. And I think Joyce and Giles are the two figureheads of both sides of Buffy's life. Um, so in the end, I think that Joyce and Giles would not have worked out simply because they're both the representation of Buffy's normal life and her Slayer life. And as we both, as we know, those two lives don't intersect very well. And so I think that it would have been very hard. And I think ultimately Joyce and Giles did not pursue anything between the two of them because they knew how hard that would be for Buffy. And I think their mutual love for Buffy outweighed any attraction they had for each other. But it is still fun to think about like what could have happened. It also doesn't make sense that I I think this is one of the things I get the most frustrated with the show about is Giles leaving in season six. And I know we've talked about this, but it makes me very frustrated that Giles leaves Dawn knowing that Buffy and Joyce are dead after the love he had for both of them. Like it felt weird that he was like, okay, Willow and Tara will take care of you. It's like, well, I, I, I feel like he would have wanted to stay to watch over her, you know? There definitely are some decisions in season six that are very much um, for the plot of season six, not what would actually happen if they were real people. Sure. And it gets a little frustrating. Like Tara and like Willow not offering to help with money at all, just living red free. I'm like, how would this fly? How? You know? And then Buffy's having to get a job. Right. Maybe they are helping, but there wasn't a lot of sensitivity on Buffy, like dealing with the trauma and the fact that they're like, oh, okay, well, we're in school full time. So have fun, you know, getting a job. It's like, well, mm -hmm. Buffy also is slaying full time. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. There's a lot of decisions. Okay. There's a bunch of just little things in the episode that I'll kind of briefly mention. So um, Joyce being compassionate and scared about the babies kind of is consistent with gingerbread when she's compassionate about the little children that die and it kind of like leads into that whole mindset. It is kind of cool how they show how maternal she was even as a teenager. I just love that we see Joyce Young. It just makes – she just makes so much sense. Joyce needed an episode like this. Yes, she did. We needed to actually see her humanized a little bit because I think we often see Joyce through the eyes of Buffy. It was kind of cool to see Joyce through the eyes of Joyce, not so much through Buffy. And it it allowed us to be like, oh, Joyce is really struggling with this whole slaying thing and that's human and that's okay. And then watching how she's rebelling, I say in quotes, against Buffy, like when Buffy tells her to go back. And that's supposed to be like a metaphor of Joyce being like, I'm rebelling against you being a slayer and the frustration that I feel towards that. She needed a lighthearted episode just because I feel like we always see her as like the bearer of bad news or someone who's always stressed or just like unsure of what to do when it comes to being Buffy's mom. Um, and I don't think a lot of that is her fault. There are some situations where I'm like, okay, I know this is plot. Plot device. Um, yeah. But like it's very frustrating that it's always Joyce. But I think it's like – we really needed an episode like this because I mm -hmm. think for a while, especially in season two, I was getting really frustrated with Joyce. Mm -hmm. um, and I just forget about some of those scenes in season two and then re-watching it. I'm like, oh, I, f I forget about this because when I think of Joyce, I always think of like 
season four and five joys. Mm-hmm. I don't think of seasons one and two of joys. Um, and I feel like after gingerbread, she really starts to be a bit more healthy, a bit more relaxed when it comes to Buffy. And finding a good balance with Buffy and her yeah. slaying life. I think this episode yeah. is very interesting too in the conversation that Joyce is going to have with Angel in the prom where she tells him that, you know, Buffy needs to go to college and stuff. We don't have to get too much into that that conversation, but I think understanding where how Joyce was as a teenager, how she likes the bad boys, how she kind of like makes impulsive decisions and longs so much for that uh, admiration, recognition, and um, even she's the connection. Projecting. The whole conversation is projecting and taking away autonomy from Buffy and Maybe. All stuff I, I have mixed feelings about it and we'll get there. But I think that this episode helps make it us not so angry with Joyce in that episode because we kind of see that like Joyce does actually understand and remember what it's like to be in a teenager. But yeah, that's that's a that's a tough conversation. I'm excited to talk about that one. But has she talked to Buffy? No, about Angel. They've had zero conversations about her relationship with Angel. So it seems very much like you haven't talked to Buffy. I'm going to go to the boyfriend. Yeah, no, that I, I definitely agree with that. Yes. You need to be having a conversation on both ends, not just with him. Yeah. It's like she doesn't trust Buffy to make the decision. Mm-hmm. So she has to go to Angel to like thoroughly break her heart mm-hmm. or whatever. I just watched Crimson Peak the other day. Go thoroughly. Oh, you rewatched break. it? Yeah, I showed Andrew. What did he think of it? He actually liked it. He was like, that was not as scary oh, as I thought it was. I am a I liked it too. I'm a sucker for gothic romance. I love mm. gothic romance. And that's just yeah, like that's very cool. Yeah. Okay, so that scene with Joyce and Giles where he takes the trash can and throws it into the glass and stuff kind of reminds me and mirrors Faith and Buffy and Bad Girls when Faith's like, oh, you want that? And then they go and they go into the armory and they take out all of those weapons. Um, And I think that's kind of like – it's just kind of cool to see parallels between Buffy and Joyce and then seeing how Giles can maybe relate and understand a little bit to Faith. So Angel doing Tai Chi is really interesting because in a an episode or two away, I don't remember which one it is, you're going to see Buffy and Angel doing Tai Chi together. I think it is Revelations, the next episode. But it's interesting how each episode we're watching them get closer and closer. And I was reading something on Reddit today where someone was talking about how they think that Angel is really boring on the show Buffy and how he isn't really given much to do. And it feels like most of season three, he's sitting around just waiting to go on his own show. And I'm curious to get your guys' thoughts on that because I disagree. Well, I think so far, no. I don't know if I can fully speak on the rest of season three just because I'll look out for it now. Mm Mm-hmm. But he's had an excuse the past couple episodes. Like he's really like kind of trying to gain back his strength. Um, but also like if you're going to have that excuse, then season one, Angel, mm-hmm. should be the biggest beef. Mm-hmm. He just pops in and out and that's it. He's like, all right, so this big evil's coming. Uh, good luck. Bye. And then leaves. Yeah. Well, even early season two of Angel, do they not remember how little he's in the actual episodes? And he really doesn't do much until Surprise and Innocence. It's. I think it's just Angel as a character has such a presence that it's like you forget how little he's actually in the show. Mm-hmm. It's just because the character and every scene that him and Buffy are in, it's just like they are captivating. But it's like he really is not in as much as you would think he would be. Well, that's everything 
we kind of talked about a lot of different random stuff today, but it was actually kind of fun. I enjoyed it. It was refreshing to talk about something other than season three, but hopefully you guys enjoyed this. If you guys have any thoughts on any of the things that we mentioned above, please let us know. It's always fun to hear other people's opinions, especially when we talk about controversial things such as seasons four and seven. And we said a lot of controversial things. We're going to get some DMs. You guys can find us on Instagram. You can find us on Tumblr and TikTok at Becoming Buffy Podcast. You can email us at becomingbuffypodcast at gmail.com. If you guys enjoyed our conversation, please feel free to like and leave us a review. Leah would much appreciate it if you complimented her communication abilities. No, guys, it's okay. <laughs> We're just kidding. <laughs> Don't tell them that. But with that, you guys, we hope you have a great week and we will see you next time.